Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Around the NFL podcast. Attended every WrestleMania and recalls very little. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Yes, WrestleManias. What events they were right there by the sea. Cornhole, the big green egg, tunes. Good people, good vibes, and many drinks. Not true, though. I remember them because I made the mistake of bringing uh, my daughter, Ellis, to most of them. I think at some point I finally realized there was one where, um, you know, jello shots and I think hard drugs were, like, introduced to the mix. And I was like, okay, no more no more Ellis coming to these. But, I, you know, I always had to drive home from, from Marina Del Rey. So it, it wasn't – it, it sounded and- like I was getting too wild. In Wes's memory, Mark, can you step in and clarify the hard drugs comment about around no, WrestleMania? That was not something that existed. I don't know if I'd call that a tent pole. Oh, believe it, but, me. But, Craig, Wes would have nothing to do with it, but there were ne'er-do-wells. Wes had a very open policy of who wants to come and who doesn't. And uh, I can definitely confirm um, some people were bringing in some things. Wes may have no idea about it. And they may have been in NFL employees. They may still be. Um, this is but, like the, uh, the dark side is, of these parties that Greg was eyeing with his uh, it was like three daughter. In the, it was like three <laughs> in the afternoon. It's like, all right, let's, Greg, let's have slightly, some Molly. Slightly on you, like Greg. That. Like you, 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 you're at your third WrestleMania. WrestleMania, you know, we all know what all these are me. about Stop. and what they devolve into. And you continue continually bring small children um and i i viewed it as a way to as an escape hatch to get out of there i mean of course she's going to see crazy stuff so i don't know what, what well my that was on round two and three of that uh 
I see. I would disagree. The first couple were pretty family friendly, especially during the afternoon, and then it got wild later. That was this whole thing. Like, there were actually a lot of kids at the first WrestleMania or two. And you're right. Once we got to three, uh, there was no. It used to be there was like a two to five p.m. or twelve to four p.m. pocket where it was a little tamer, and then you, you get out of there with the kids. Right. But but uh, by three, um, these individuals they weren't waiting around. They 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 were going to hit it running right off I the had bat. Knowing hard, some of it, hard drugs. Like knowing some, <laughs> yeah, people right, just like is... nodded out in the corner. Um, knowing those parties and the characters involved, they always kept the children far away. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's it's tough being a parent sometimes. Sometimes the kids got to come. You can't Right, it was all. either that or not go. Right. You know, there was like an infinite home and I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to leave the older one. You know, it's a tough spot. Welcome to the show. Uh, we have... We are approaching the draft now, and um, and it, it, yes, it pains me to say this, but you know Daniel Jeremiah is kind of the guy in terms of the NFL draft and the walk up to it. Uh, so we did, we booked him, we booked him on the show today, and he's going to be on today's episode. We're going to dive deep on uh, the draft. A nice conversation. I look forward to having with DJ. We can maybe hopefully move past our issues uh, and, and have a civil conversation. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, also, you know. It's, we are kind of in the afterglow of the Sam Darnold trade. Um, and that happened in the middle of our recording on Monday. In fact, right after it. And we, you know, did some surgery on the show. And so it all was happening very quickly. And I was just like, last couple of days, I've, I've had a chance to reflect on it a little bit. Because as you guys know better than anyone, I um, had a lot invested in Darnold, as did all Jets fans. And it is kind of shocking that it's over, that the Sam Darnold era is over in New York. And Joe Douglas spoke um, to the media the day after the trade to the Panthers. And he said as much that it took a lot of things to fall into place for it to end after three years. And that's just the way it happened, whether the regime changed, the, the timing on his contract, where they were picking in the draft. And um, it's just kind of hard to believe. And and I still do believe Darnold can be better and even good in, in an environment that, that where it gives him a real shot. But I have to say, it is a relief uh, no longer having to ponder the, the chicken or the egg nature of his entire career in the NFL. That is now something the Panthers fans have to work through and figure out because it was very, it was extremely stressful. Uh, so while I, I wish him well and I think he can do well, that's uh, as a fan that was exhausting and it's off my plate and I feel good about that I mean one of the factors was um he didn't play well I mean and, right. and, th- and then it was that there was a huge chunk of the media in general that turns around and I think has protected Sam Darnold because of the environment he was in as much as any quarterback in the league and so he's, is that fair or unfair I mean you can look at Darnold from a couple of different viewpoints but the hardest thing as a Jets fan I think was defending bad quarterback play from a guy that everyone felt should be so much better and making the team better. Right. I mean, it was tough on Dan. He had for a while, he was trying to convince us like Sam Darnold was super good looking. Like that's how much he was pumping him up. He is. I think he is a handsome guy. He's fine. I I stand by him. He's fine. But having seen him in person, I think he's... He's no Zach Wilson, who's like a young Efron. Zach Efron. (laughs) I feel even better about the Zach Efron slash Zach Wilson. I mean, if if you like your men like little boys, you know, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I think we're just getting old, but he looks like he's like 14 years old. So I think we are. 
certainly getting old. Uh, speaking of Sam Darnold and the end of the road, I think this is a good time to check in with Keith Hansis. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he gonna say about the game today? What is he gonna say about the game today? The Sam Darnold era is over. Uh, I thought Sam Donald was uh, the kind of player that I think teammates probably appreciated. He played through pain, and he seemed to try hard uh, and didn't seem to put pe- throw, throw people under the bus or anything of that regard. But as far as the way he progressed in the three years he was with the Jets, I you know had lost faith in him as a Jet fan. Uh, I don't think he was going to change much. Uh, I agree he didn't have the team around him, uh, the coaching around him. But I've seen other young players in recent years that have been drafted on other teams come up with not the greatest teams and have put up some great numbers where Sam Sam Donald, uh, with all the publicity he was getting and acclaim, he just never seemed to improve. And as a matter of fact, just went down, as we all know, last year was ranked dead last among all active quarterbacks uh, in the ratings. And just hopefully the Jets will, um, in the draft, will come up and uh, the quarterback that they pick uh, will become the quarterback that they can work with. I think it was a good move by the Jets. Good luck, Sam. Full disclosure, my dad was always out on Sam Darnold this past year or so. There, there was no on the fence. I'm on the fence, and I'm just trusting management to get this right. Keith was ready to roll uh, on the Darnold era and move on. So I hope he's right. I hope he's right. Good analysis as always, though. I Panth- mean, Panthers don't hope he's right. Um, I think that was the thing. That was the thing with Darnold is we're just such a quick football, like, cognoscenti to move on. Like, we didn't need to wait to move on to from Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen. And I think when you really look at it, that's that's the that's the company Darnold was keeping. Even when he was protected and, and, and things went well on a certain play. That said, it's like I we've done this long enough to like assume anything. If Matt Rule can uh, fix him up nice and fancy, he could be average. And, an I, and I think there's a ceiling. And I'm not a bit. I, I'm not really buying this. Um, but you know, maybe he can be average. There is a bit of an irony here, by the way. As I say, I'm passing Darnold off to another fan base, uh, and there was a lot of stress to it. I'm kind of passing it off to Sessler, uh, who's yeah. the president of the Matt Rule Dynasty Fan Club. He's now kind of your quarterback in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think actually, like, he goes to a really one of the best, you know, scenarios you could have picked for him. And if Joe Brady is as brainy as they say in creative, I think, you know, it'll help. And I, I think that's good for Sam Darnold. I wouldn't have wanted him to see him go somewhere where he was in a work, like a Jared Goff type landing spot where things seem to fall apart even further once you get there. Um, but. I don't have any great faith that Sam Darnold's like mm. a great quarterback. That's all. I just want to see it. I don't have to have that. He could be a backup. I I would be very right. interested if they drafted someone at quarterback. I kind of I I think, and this is something I thought about more. I'm convinced they were in on Mac Jones, and uh, between striking out with Stafford, Mac Jones potentially, and Watson, um, then Darnold kind of became this fallback line. But who knows? Maybe Mac Jones doesn't get taken right. or maybe they maybe Trey Lance falls and they decide to take a shot who knows 
And speaking of uh, the Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, by the way, is now allowed or has been given permission to engage with trade partners. So, Greg, I know you had floated the Broncos, idea that he, Broncos, let's he might do still it. be in the mix of the Panthers. The Panthers are done with Teddy Bridgewater. No, they were, I was totally they're wrong gonna, in that. They're, they're going to take a financial uh, semi-bath uh, to move on, considering the investment they made with him, which wasn't small. It uh, wasn't huge, but it wasn't small either, no. and they're going to kind of hit the reset here. And I'm with you. Uh, just like I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been a lot of fun in Denver, uh, the Broncos' job, if you were a quarterback trying to figure out where you land in the landscape and you're still looking for work, uh, and there aren't many quarterbacks in this category now with Teddy, uh, you got to get up to Denver and take on Drew Locke with that good offense uh, and really strong team all around. Um, all right. Lot to get to before we get to DJ, and we'll talk to DJ about some Jet stuff at number two um, because we know his connection to Joe Douglas. Uh, let's hit the news. Do you believe Philip Rivers would actually be the fourth pick in the draft? <laughs> it's funny, uh, boys. That's uh, the agent of Ben Roethlisberger at the 2004 NFL draft. Um, Lee Steinberg. Lee Steinberg. And. Uh, one of the more famous agents in NFL history. And uh, that pops up every once in a while. Steven Ruiz, who uh, does really good work uh, over at For the Win. He's their lead writer. Uh, he re- he put he floated that back up onto Twitter uh, this week. And it, it's a whole uh, behind-the-scenes breakdown of the 2004 draft, following all the top picks everywhere they were, mic'd them up at the draft tables. And it just got me thinking how disappointing it is that as the draft since in those 15 years, 20 years has gotten bigger, uh, the access has gotten tighter and tighter and more and more controlled. Wouldn't that be great if we had this every year and then you could look back on this stuff instead, uh, you know, you just get this recycled every year or so on social media, which I appreciate, but at the same time, I wish we had this uh, Mm. for this draft or the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold draft, like all that stuff. Uh, No, that's not how it works anymore. I prefer less access, um, more sterile coverage, more robotic, uh, less insight. That's what I'm. So we're go, we're we're heading in the right direction. Plus, I feel like there's more. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is not true, but. Uh... Like that draft, as Roethlisberger was fallen, you really like you didn't you weren't expecting that going in necessarily. You know, you you really didn't have a good feel of what was going to happen to Rivers and Roethlisberger in that draft. You kind of knew what you know probably what was happening with Eli, but like as he's falling, that was great drama in real time, just like Aaron Rodgers when he was in the in the draft room. And Lee Steinberg, by the way, is one of four hundred agents who believes Jerry Maguire was made uh, about him. That's like a thing in, behind the scenes in agent world. They all think it was about them. Also uh, invites me to his Super Bowl party every every year, by the way. And uh, how's the party? Stars, How was it? I went to one many many years back. It's conflicted with other things that we were doing, but um, he's continually nice enough to send the invite because I think he knows he and I could really chop it up if we were to get in a room together. <laughs> Look at Greg's face. He's continue, still eating lemons, lemons and limes. All right, let's get to the news, and uh, we'll start with a sobering bit of news here. Two of the 22 women who have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual assault and harassment in separate lawsuits publicly spoke out on Tuesday detailing their experiences with the Texans quarterback during that news conference, Ashley Solis, the first woman to file a suit against Watson, um, spoke up about her uh, allegations against the All-Pro. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. 
No longer practice the profession that I love the most without shaking during the session. My hands shake whenever I place them on a client and I've had to cut the session short. If you only knew how heartbreaking that is to me. I got into massage therapy to heal people, to heal their minds and bodies, to bring peace to their souls. Deshaun Watson has robbed me of that. He took that away from me. He tainted a profession in which I take enormous pride. Flashes of Watson's face rush to me in the moment. I am in counseling as a result of Deshaun Watson's actions. I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on me emotionally and physically. And I hope he knows how much pain he has inflicted on these other survivors. The NFL released a statement on Tuesday saying they're continuing to closely monitor all developments in the matter. Uh, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network reported the league office has been in contact uh, with Tony Busby, the uh, attorney involved with this. Um, and finally, the Houston Police Department said last week it is investigating Watson um, after a complaint filed uh, with them uh, last week. So the story continues to develop. Very tough to see um, one of these um, accusers step up and speak out. Uh, and it really adds um, a level of uh, humanity to the situation. Uh, a tough watch. It was, you know, it's been, an, I think, an important week in the in the Watson story uh, with these women coming out and then also kind of the business community around Watson starting to pull back from him. He's lost uh, multiple endorsements, uh, including with Nike and, and the NFL sending out another statement on Tuesday, I think was significant just because of the wording they used. They did compare their first statement about Watson, which was very business-like and this one which, which was of course as well but they you know they did use the words how the allegations were deeply disturbing how serious they take it and um stephanie stradley is a really good follow for texans fans always but she's also a lawyer and she sort of wrote a, a frequently asked questions about the watson case that i found uh really informative part of it was you know don't don't opine on it. It's very hurtful. It's it's very um, difficult thing for non-lawyers or really anyone to talk about. So I, but I do think it's important we just follow this story. It's it's so significant, and I do think I think the NFL statement was was telling, and that he's going to be in a holding pattern here for a while. I think the question, you know, just in terms of football, is just like will he play football in 2021 is very much an, an open question. I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said, and. It right now it's looking like Tyrod Taylor, you know, gets closer and closer to being the starting quarterback. But all that is sort of just, I don't know. Like when you go and watch these, when you listen to these voices, and um, it's not just names or a number of names or how many, and you listen to what they say. I mean, I just think it brings a whole different wave of reality to it. And uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, who knows what what will happen here? But I. I think the league and all of us and everyone didn't know quite what to do with it a month ago. Um, it's changing now. Yeah, it certainly is. In other news, the Boston Herald reports, it's doubtful that Julian Edelman will be able to play a full season in 2021. Uh, the report cites a source familiar with the Edelman situation 
Uh, he's got a knee, a knee issue, and it's a type of uh, situation where he could undergo surgery on the knee, knee but it's only a temporary solution. Uh, he only played six games last season, and Greg, you are a uh, Boston sports fan. It does make me think an- another uh, underdog uh, little critter that you were uh, your your fan base is a fan of, Dustin Pedroia of the Red Sox. Mm. Similar situation, a, a guy that was beloved by fans um, and had a knee issue that just would not get better. Uh, Edelman seems to have a similar situation here, and it, it puts uh, the Patriots in a tough spot because he is a franchise legend, let's face it. Right. I, I started wondering, why is Julian Edelman still on this roster, just knowing the Patriots? And then and I looked, and I realized he only has a $2.8 million base salary this year. And that, and that was the answer. Last year, he was still making kind of big money. Now, they have all this cap space. They obviously love Edelman. And so, they're just not in a hurry. I kind of buy the conspiracy theories that I know is happening among Patriots fans, though, that... A report like this is maybe getting put out there because he wants to get released. Like I could buy that. You know what I mean? Like this is this is he coming wants out to for, get released. What kind of market does Julian Edelman have? At this not stage? not much probably, but you know he might like to choose you know where he plays next. Tampa, you know for oh he wants to replace Antonio. Who Brown. knows? Who knows? Ah, okay. There you go. Makes sense. I kind of buy it though. I kind of yeah, buy. It. I, I also buy that. that he won't be healthy. So that it's not like I think it's. It's wrong. He's 35 years old, and no one at his size, I've, I've never seen take a pounding that he has throughout his career. From the first, from his first year, it was always amazing to me um, that he's lasted and been as durable as he has until this point. In other news, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that multiple teams have contacted the Atlanta Falcons about acquiring the number four pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, Schefter added that the team is open to moving out of that spot. As we know, the way the draft board is set up, it almost certainly will play out with QBs going one, two, and three. The Falcons don't have an immediate need at quarterback with Matt Ryan, but he uh, is in his mid-30s. They could use uh, a guy that's the future. Uh, but also makes sense, Mark, that they would potentially trade away the pick if they got a big-time godfather offer because it looks like that's the highest available pick. Uh, the Niners, Jets, and Jaguars aren't going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, why not take the calls? I mean, there were other whispers that the Falcons internally sort of felt like, well, if we're going to take a quarterback of our own, assuming that you're going to be at number four every year is not the way you do business. So maybe that's um, they're, they're in a valuable space themselves. The only thing I think about, if it's not quarterback, because you got the Bengals at number five, who obviously have their quarterback, and if the Falcons um, took a quarterback of their own or someone else did, that number five spot becomes the first place where Cincinnati can pick one of the incredible skill position players, uh, the best available. And so would someone ever want to hopscotch Cincinnati, knowing they're going to do that, um, to get a wide receiver of their choice or fill in the blank? That's all. I mean, I'm assuming it's quarterback. That's just a safe way to think. Um, and that could be a number of teams. But with this kind of stuff, like, am I going to be up at three in the morning um, pondering this and, you know, fretting yes. over it? No, let's just see what happens. You know, we'll know more a couple weeks from now. It is the it is kind of the intrigue with this draft, I think, because I guess we there's a chance San Francisco doesn't take Matt, Mac Jones. But it, it looks like the intrigue. And, you know, there was a report. I'm most surprised by this, that the GM, you know, Chris Mortensen said the GM of Atlanta kind of likes – 
Trey Lance, I believe, you know, or is looking at quarterback, whereas Arthur Smith is kind of all in, a, like, is down with Matt Ryan, and, and so they're trying to figure that out. It, them taking Mac Jones, the 49ers, at three really would be wild because I think, in according to Chris uh, Charlie Casterly's poll of, like, executives, and then our friend DJ who's coming on, Trey Lance and Fields are ranked way ahead of those guys in most people's eyes. DJ has those two in the top eight of all of his players. So if you're a team like the Lions or the Panthers or the Patriots, certainly you got to be looking at this like, where do I need to move up to get Fields or Lance if, if I like those guys? Very intriguing. In other news, the Rams, uh, their general manager, Les Snead, said he believes Matthew Stafford, their new quarterback, is going to be there anywhere between five and eight years. Seems nice. Eight, eight. Thirty-three years old, Stafford is. I mean, if he if he if he went on the long side of, of uh, Snead's uh, projection, he's the quarterback in his forties. Which this assumption that all quarterbacks now can play in their forties just seems kind of silly to me. Also silly, the idea of what the team. What's the the famous John Lennon quote? Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. The assumption here that Matthew Stafford will stay healthy is enough and his body will cooperate. That's what it comes down to. I think he'll, he has the skill set to thrive, and I think he will in this Sean McVay system. But any thoughts that he's a long-term solution, you're not going to know until that body where he's had back issues, he just had thumb surgery, um, is that going to hold up in the long term? It's a, it's a dicey proposition, and, and Snead really bet his job on it here, I think, by bringing in Stafford. I mean, I would just say this, though, in terms of like how you really want to create like a stunning headline. What if they traded multiple picks and a third round pick and their starting quarterback for Matthew Stafford? And Les Snead said, we think he'll start here for two years. Like people would go nuts. So it's like over projecting and saying he's got he's our guy um, deep into the future. We've made the right choice. Like. Uh, you know, the, of course, he's going to tilt towards the longevity. I mean, side. it is a two-year deal. He's he. They inherited two years and forty-three million on the contract, right? But you don't. And that pitch feels it like that what way, the right? NFL is now. Everything is just two-year projection, and then you reevaluate. I'm just saying I, you wouldn't right. pitch it that way to the to to a right. like a a frisky reporter. I mean, they would right. do something else with it. <laughs> or or and I'm sure that's what they're hoping for. Or to you know, season ticket holders, they're trying to sell some tickets. Uh, you know, it, they, they want to think of Stafford as their long-term guy. I'm sure that's what they want. I mean, they also said Jared Goff was their forever quarterback, like a lot that they, that, that, uh, McVay and Goff were tied to hip. The only thing with like thinking guys can play great into like their late forties, Fitzpatrick is an exception, but the other guys who have done all that are all time greats. It's like, yeah, it, it, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers are aging well, but they were incredible. They were like coming right. off That's of an I mean. incredible spot. Like you can't expect the assumption that all these guys, I mean, do you could even make the case that if you were building a roster of all time goods, Matthew Stafford might be that quarterback. Like, right. So I think he is, he's proven over his, the first 11, 12 years of his career that he's, you know, a rock solid franchise starting quarterback. But is he one of the great players in NFL history? Well, not yet, anyway. Um, in other news, Peter King's Monday, night, uh, Monday morning quarterback column, he wrote about uh, some of the uh, new wrinkles to the schedule after the CBA was signed, sealed, and delivered, and the new TV deal, new TV deals uh, came together uh, this year. That second game in week one on Monday night is history, the one that famously had, for some reason, thrown Chris Berman a bone, and they were, they were having him in the booth saying the big bell bottom and not knowing who anybody was. Um, that second game is 
off the books now. Uh, but for ESPN, who always hosted those games, it's a win because what they did was there's a Saturday week 18 doubleheader that ESPN gets. And I believe those are flexible games, which means they will have playoff ramifications. And that feels like a big W because it's good for us here in California. But that second game on Monday night in week one was starting at like 10, 15 at night for people on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah exactly. I always I liked them, but I you also were if it wasn't a good game, you would you would feel the, the effects. <laughs> you would feel the effects of the the previous day and a half, and you're like, oh, you know, I've been waiting all off season for one game, and now it's like I'm just you know, it's too it's almost too much. That Saturday right. night though, mid January, that sounds fun. That sounds pretty good. That 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 end of the season slate's gonna be. Cha- challenging um, and inter- like it's just going to be a lot of Saturdays. That's where NFL Network is going to get in the mix too. You know, with some of the international games, but also the Saturday games. But this little Saturday night doubleheader, get ready, Mark. Say goodbye to your but, family. I mean, I've been doing this for long enough where I presume that there's a massive chunk of every year that is um, oriented towards one thing: football. And football is family. They tell me. I, I could argue that it's not always that, um, but it's a it's a massive upgrade. Because a lot of times, if you look at what the second Monday night game has been, I think they know, to your point, that half the country is, you know, getting to bed at that point, that they've not been marquee scenarios. But that Saturday scenario will be used to make it into two contests that no one can steer their eyes away from. Finally, in the news. This from the New York Post. Daniel Jones. This week, along with several Giants offensive players, wide receivers, tight ends, and even a few linemen, traveled to Phoenix for a few days of throwing sessions. The Monday to Friday workouts organized entirely by Daniel Jones will be the first unofficial work on the field in advance of 2021. Yeah, baby, that's also our first trope alert of the 2021 (laughs) offseason. Trope alert. Trope alert. Trope alert. Oh, yes. The trope alert. And this one is uh, well-worn. The veteran quarterback on maybe shaky ground organizing a throwing sesh uh, and making sure the media knows about it to show that he's a leader on the rise. And everything is fine. I mean, isn't that technically Giants West if they were going to name Jets camps that happened west of the Mississippi Jets West for all those? They um, trademarked that. The Giants couldn't touch it. It was too. It was too perfect. That's not how Jets Giants things work. But okay, I like it when there's like a quarterback competition. This isn't the case in New York, but when there's the the starting jobs up for grabs, but one of them does the the off season <laughs> thing. Like that's a power move, and then the other quarterback has to decide. It's like when it was Sanchez Tebow, Tebow could just show up. But you know, when it when it's two guys that are somewhat equal, then the backup, the other quarterback has to be like, shoot, do I have to show up at this guy's quarterback thing? I guess I do, or else. Like he's getting or do all I have, the like, FaceTime with the guys. Do I have to organize my own? And if I right. organize my own, will like, will Darius Slayton come to mine? <laughs> and then you've got to pay for it. The quarterback pays for a lot of this stuff sometimes. That's, that's why. That's the sneaky hidden value of signing Mike Glennon as your backup. You know he's not throwing any cam. It's like Mike. We'll see you in July or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, if you if you're new to the podcast or. You know, just starting to understand how the off season works when we get to because it's gonna we're gonna have a return 
of OTAs, it looks like, and traditional uh, mini camps and rookie camps. And then, of course, training camp in July uh, and August. Some training camp tropes to look out for. Draft Bust X looks like he's ready to turn the corner. New quarterback wide receiver tandem display undeniable chemistry. Player X, I'm better now than I was before devastating lower body injury. Second year player X, the game has slowed down for me. Soft, soft-spoken star ready to take on recently vacated leadership roles. That's just a, a tease of what's to come and what to keep an eye out on. And my job to you, the listener, is to make sure all of it is documented ahead of the 2021 season. You can count on me. Mm. That's what's happening in the news. All right, time for our special guest. And, you know, listen, he, here's the thing. It's not just that he knows it's his time of year. He knows that we know it's his time of year. And that's what hurts the most. Daniel Jeremiah, we really, we're happy to have you. Well, Dan, I'll tell you what, it's great to be with you. Uh, Sessler, it's great to see you, pal. I do appreciate Greg waking up three minutes before this segment started. Greg, it's great to see you as well, pal. (laughs) I've been here the whole time. I've been, you know, waiting, sharpening my knives. I've been ready for this for a year. This is, this is, Greg, this is either like this Hollywood style, you know, jezzle neck influenced hairstyle you're going with, or it's, I just Mm. woke up five minutes ago. And I think I'm leaning towards the latter. I showered. I wanted to be here for your like last appearance on NFL Network before you, you know, you follow Mike Mayock out the door. A lot of speculation. A lot of speculation about DJ, and th- and that goes back when Joe Douglas got hired as GM of the Jets. It was all over the place, and DJ had to come out and say, "No, no, 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 no. I love my job at NFL Network. I love working for the Chargers, but that you know, on that subject, on Joe Douglas, and let's get into it here, DJ. Um, yeah, because. You do have a relationship with Joe Douglas. You worked in football circles with him, your buddies. And he just made a huge move uh, in this draft. Or maybe he didn't make a huge move. And there's a lot of ramifications there. Trade Sam Darnold. You're at number two. And I I have to ask this. uh, Because you don't make this trade, right, DJ? uh, Of Sam Darnold. And then most likely to stay at number two. Unless you're pretty sure Zach Wilson or the quarterback you're going to take, probably Zach Wilson, is a can't-miss prospect. Because on the other side of it, DJ, this is like a once-in-10, once-in-20 years leverage situation in the draft in terms of where he was. How hard do you think this decision was to stay it to if that is indeed what ends up happening? Well, I don't necessarily think it was hard because when you have conviction on a player at that position, there's really, you're not going to be swayed. I mean, to me, it would have taken a monumental uh, hall of picks, uh, much more than even we saw take place with that San Francisco-Miami trade to consider getting out of number two, if you believe in the quarterback. Because uh, not only do you feel like you've got somebody with tremendous talent coming in, you restart, you reset the clock, and financially it's such a boon. And it, it would be one thing if the Jets you know, just had their seven picks in this draft and seven picks in next year's draft, and you say, man, look at all the holes on this roster. How are we ever going to fill all of them? Uh, but they're in a situation due to, to the trades. You know, look at Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams, some of the trades they've made. Uh, the Hall of Picks, I think it's 21 picks over the next two years. So uh, they can get the quarterback at two. Uh, now you move on from Sam Darnold, and you've got a ton of picks where you can fill in around him. And I, I always like to you know, point out when we're talking about Sam, like he did not get a fair shake there. I, 
I'm a Sam Darnold believer. I loved him coming into the draft. You guys know that. Um, and I still think he's got a chance to be successful. But he didn't have the infrastructure in place to succeed with the Jets. And I think the focus for the Jets is to make sure that that is in place uh, for the next quarterback, who, who you know I really believe is going to be Zach Wilson. Mm. All right, so DJ, let's just say that you were a GM, uh, or let's say you were inside the body of John Lynch, the 49ers GM. And oh, I, would, I would love that. I would, right. swip, I would swap. I used to work out with John Lynch when I was in college uh, when he was in the NFL. John Lynch was there. Tony Baselli was there. And I can tell you that was the peak of my athletic uh, existence. Um, and uh, I would say John Lynch right now, after you know going into the Hall of Fame and been retired for several years, is still light years ahead of where I was at my peak. So if you want to swap me out hmm. with John, I'm happy to do that. Still a little weird, though. No, that's DJ's way of always working in that he was a QB1 of a D1 program. He gets it into every segment he does. <laughs> Got to weave it we in. We get it, though. But it, if I'm yeah, DJ's wife, I'm watching this. on the lower is... third. It would really be impressed. I'm thinking, like, you want to be inside John Lynch's body? Like, I don't know. That just seems weird. Be, be happy with who you are. Dude. I think in this case, let's say you control his brain, all right? And okay. we, we've got Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville, Zach Wilson with his nice little hair going to the Jets. And then we've got number three. What do you do? do what, who do you pick as the 49ers quarterback? Who is the third best quarterback in this draft? Uh, to me, I think it's a it's a close call um, for me personally between Trey Lance from North Dakota State and Justin Fields from Ohio State. Um, those, to me, are the, the next quarterbacks in line, and I would have Mac Jones fifth. Now, in terms of who I would take, well, I have, I have Trey Lance one spot ahead of Justin, but they're going to be you know afforded the luxury I don't have, which is to spend a ton of time with these two kids uh, to see you know who they're most comfortable with. I, I don't know that there's a wrong decision between those two because the upside is so tremendous. And if I'm if I'm Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I want to take my offense from where it is and take it to new heights. And in order to do that, I've got to get somebody that can expand uh, what we do. It, it, to me, that would be one of the one of the two options between those two guys. But everything we hear. Is uh, everything points towards Mac Jones, and that's how I, mm. you know, do mock drafts, and and uh, and that's what you hear around the league is the expectation is that will be Mac Jones with the third pick. Which I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys because uh, Dan, I know you've heard this a million times. How many times have you heard the cliche of it's you know it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Well, this is a decision if they take Mac Jones that is the exact opposite. This is all about their offense and their system versus the talent of the player you're going to select. Isn't Seems that crazy. what they say you shouldn't do, though? Are you supposed to take the best that's available not, yeah. player and all that? Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that's what I would do, and that's how I was brought up with, with the Ravens' way of doing business. But you look at a team like the, you know, Greg's team, you look at what happened in New England, they just draft players that fit them. And if they take a guy in the second round that the rest of the league thinks is a sixth-round pick, they don't care um, because they feel like he fits what we do and he's going to be able to do what we ask him to do. So um, it's a little bit of that thought process. I don't agree with that. To me, I just want to get the most talented people, and we're going to work around what they do and not be quite as married to everything that I've traditionally done. Um, but that's uh, that's how they operate. It, it's partly why I don't totally want to believe it. Like, I don't want to kill the 49ers for this pick or think about it until I see it. We still have another Justin Fields yeah. pro day. Um, Trey Lance seems like I he would be— I think they'll do one with Trey Lance, too. Right. I, I think they'll—he would kind of be perfect in that system, especially for a—, for a situation where maybe you play Jimmy Garoppolo for a year or see how that goes and you have trade like you have four quarterbacks in your top eight I mean and Mac Jones is nowhere near that does it does that mean in at least the years you're doing this this has to be 
the best quarterback class you've ever seen. I can't imagine you've ever had four quarterbacks in your top eight. It's not like you think Trey Lance and Justin Fields are interesting. You think you're yeah. you think they're two of the top eight players in this draft. Yeah, I, I think they're really talented. I think all four of these guys at the top are, are tremendously talented. Now, it's a little bit of a different year, Greg, in that you look at some of the, the other positions. Like, we don't have, you know, the edge rushers that you would see, you know, typically eat up spots in the top ten. We don't have that this year. Uh, we've got some good corners and some good tackles. Uh, but in my opinion, the, the tackle group is not what it was last year with that group. So um, those are the positions that usually, you know, secure spots in the top ten. And without those this year, to me, you look at it, you see a bunch of quarterbacks, you see a bunch of wide receivers. That's just kind of what this draft has given us. But, yeah, I think these four quarterbacks in, in pretty much any draft year would, would be highly coveted because, the again, the ceiling is so high because these guys are so athletic and, uh, and just big-time arm talent. So, uh, yeah, th- to me, Mac is, is behind those guys. But if, you know, 49ers don't care what I think, they don't care what the other 31 teams think. They're just trying to find the guy that best fits them, and everything you hear seems to be pointing towards Mac. Mm. So moving off the, the quarterbacks for a moment here. So you have right now Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, uh, going at number five. And it seems like the way you wrote it up on NFL.com – if the Bengals don't take him at five, the Dolphins makes a lot of sense at six. And then you do that research, and, and I'll just name them right now. These are the first-round yeah. tight ends in uh, the last <laughs> 10, 11 years. TJ Hawkinson, yeah. Noah Fant, Hayden Hurst, O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Eric Ebron, Tyler Eifert, Jermaine Gresham, who was taken 21 picks ahead of Gronk in 2010. The one thing they all have in common is none of those guys are stars and I guess my question to you, DJ, with Pitts, a, a, a hot dra- draft prospect and a unicorn and all that is, like, how come there's no can't-miss tight ends or there hasn't been in a long time? Well, I, I would answer that a couple ways. First of all, if you're uncomfortable looking at that list of tight ends, fine, just put WR next to his name and draft Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. You play him at wide receiver, you'd be happy with him at wide receiver as a top 15 type player. Uh, second point I would make is I have a higher grade on him than all those cor- those tight ends that you mentioned. So to me, and it's not even close with, with where he is in terms of the talent that he has. And, mm. and I would the third point that I would make, and Sessler, I know you can probably back me up on this, um, and I know life has taken a terrible turn for this person, but if you go back and somebody wasn't doing popping wheelies in a, in a strip mall parking lot as a tight end, we wouldn't be talking about that type of impact of taking a tight end in the top 10 mm-hmm. because this kid is, to me, he's a, he's a better receiver and route runner uh, than Kellen Winslow. Kellen Winslow maybe a little bit better blocker, but he was, to me, he would have had a phenomenal career until everything went way off course. Mm. I mean, you remember that one season that Winslow had, and that's an interesting comparison. I have a little bit of an off-the-radar question for you. I just was thinking about this. You're in touch with everyone. Have you had, like, a one-on-one phone conversation with Bill Belichick, or is is that remained an untouchable territory for you? (laughs) No. Well, first of all, if I had, I mean, I'm sure I would not be allowed to divulge that I had, but honestly, I haven't. So uh, the only talks I've ever had with Coach Belichick is when he's coming to the booth at the Combine, uh, usually to, to give Rich a check for St. Jude, and uh, we visit a little bit, but that's uh, that, that's about it. So uh, I've been fortunate to make a lot of you know new friends and new contacts um, since they went over to the media side. Uh, but Coach Belichick is still he's still outside of arms uh, reach for me here, so I'm uh, bummed about that one. Hmm. But you're kind of wearing like a Belichick inspired outfit here, just like a T-shirt <laughs> and like an open ended. Like, are you going to work out later, or what? What's going on here? 
Uh, you know, Ricky Schroeder, I don't know. I mean, do I go get a workout in later? Maybe. Um, but I didn't cut the sleeves off. If I would have cut the sleeves off, maybe I could go with that. But, um, you know, look. Greg does it's, have it's, a stylist, good, by the way, just to clear that up. He does. He didn't, well, I just, he didn't even let, give I just you... want to remind Greg. Yeah. I want to remind Greg of one thing, Dan. The yes. structure has a 30-day return policy. So if the jacket <laughs> doesn't feel great, you still have a few more days where you can return it. I was going to say, classic, Greg, classic DJ uh, wholesome zinger there, using a I, reference I, from like an '80s sitcom <laughs> that that no one uh, except DJ and his his 27 children. He had a train that went around the family room. <laughs> a great show, a great show. show. Greg wasn't yeah, even born I, then. Don't worry about it. I call I, I call DJ the wholesome assassin for takedowns That's just like that, and he didn't even let you go with Ricky Schroeder, Greg, he, or Rick Schroeder with his NYPD blue days. He he dinged you on the silver spoons, Ricky Schroeder in the biggest. Some of, of Alfonso Rivero's greatest work by the way this is not just like in america's funniest home videos and jason Fresh bateman on that guy. show let's go back Ricky's to where it friend. all started yeah. jason bateman correct yep. yeah all right let's move back into the 2020s what else mark you got something else for uh, dj i would look at when you look at guys like a jc horn and asante samuel yeah. jr what are we do these players get too much attention because they're legacies, they're sons of great players? Or are they actually like, I, I am annoyed, for instance, when the Browns passed up on Clay Matthews and when they passed up on like J.J. Watt's brother. It's like, shouldn't something about their DNA tell us they're just going to be ready for action? And on top of it, if you were the son of a pro player, you know the life. Like, why do some of these teams pass up on what I think would be more home run prospects? Or am I just out in left field with that concept. Well, not not to go back to the 80s before DJ answers, but you remember Jose Canseco? There was Ozzy Canseco, too. It Ozzie doesn't always I know. It doesn't place. always work out. I would go father-son more than maybe brother-brother. Okay, brothers. Gotcha. So it's, I'm glad you guys brought that up because that Ozzy Canseco's name has come up in the draft room where we were talking about a player um, <laughs> who, had, who had a successful uh, brother or father. can't remember exactly what it was. And this, and somebody in the draft room was making the case, you know, it's a genes, you know, this guy's got the genes, da 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 da. And one of the other scouts in the room said, look, this guy's a little more Ozzy Canseco than he is Jose Canseco. <laughs> and then another guy in the room piped up and said, yeah, this is more Randy Quaid than Dennis Quaid. Let's not get carried away here. Although, take no offense, Cousin Eddie was a great role, but I just think the acting chops is a little different. Yeah, mm. so that's fair. That's fair. But you're, but you're a fan of these corners. You're a fan of these corners. I, I like them. You got I a like right them to me. Yeah. I, I, look, if, if it's close, that can be something that's a tiebreaker between a couple players because I know this guy's, he's just been taught how to be a professional. You know, since he was a kid, he's been around it. I think it's not specific just to football. You know, you see it in baseball with, with a lot of the great players who are sons. I think you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you've got uh, Tatis, um, you've got Bichette, you've got Biggio. Like, there's all these sons of players now that are in the major leagues, and I think you see the same thing in the NFL. Um, so these guys, to me, they've been around it, they, they'll be a pro. Um, the other thing I would point out is I think it's fascinating. Some of the advice I've always tried to give young players, like high school players going to college, is every year in the draft we have a wide receiver list that's a, it's a million names long, and you're trying to, to cut off the list at some point in time. Like There's just a million of them. And the DB list, the corner list, we're trying to create guys to push them up. Um, so if mm. you've got the option... As a high school athlete, you're a five-star athlete. You got a choice. Go play defense, man. It's a, it's an easier route to travel if you're a big, tall, athletic kid. Get out of that long line in the wide receiver group and go over to the to the corner group. And all these sons of athletes, you notice they're not dumb. They're not they're not asking their kid to play wide receiver. Go play corner. Um, and we're seeing them come out in droves. Mm. 
That's why I'm teaching my son Walker at the beach. He likes playing cornerback too. I don't know if he's going to be tall. Get him in a pedal. That could, that, Get him in that But pedal. he could be feisty. He could be Put mean. Him in a slot, maybe. Uh, I mean, his father didn't got... play, but that's okay. No, that's okay. Like, I'm but, getting uh, like a Nickel Roby Coleman vibe here, Greg. I think that's what we're working with, and that's great, man. Let's do it. I would take that. You know, uh, nice NFL career, help his dad uh, retire. That would be terrific. Uh, yeah. There's like a lot of small cornerbacks, uh, wide receivers rather, in this class too. I'm sort of struck by how maybe the same physical requirements aren't the same at the position. You know, we know Devonta Smith, but e- even Jamar Chase is a guy who is talked about as sort of a can't miss, I don't know about generational, mm-hmm. but kind of the guy in this class. And yet... He, he's not a guy necessarily that you think yeah. is is big and tall. He's definitely strong or, or is definitely going to run like a fast 40. And really this entire class, it seems like a lot. Like how is that position and, and especially the top, how do you separate these guys when maybe they're not as physically dominant as, as some top receivers in the past? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, and normally when you have guys go in the top 10, you're talking about some height, weight, speed guys, you know, big time, check all those boxes and prototype size. When you think of the Andre Johnsons, the Larry Fitzgeralds, the Calvin Johnsons, uh, those type of players. And uh, this year we have a bunch of really good receivers, but we don't have many of the big guys. I mean, even last year, you go back you know, outside the first round, you saw Michael Pittman. Uh, we saw Claypool. You had T. Higgins. Like We had a, a Mims. There was a bunch of those bigger power forward type receivers. Um, this year, it's more about speed and quickness. And uh, Jamar Chase is unique to me because even though he's a six-footer, 200-pound uh, guy, he plays big, like he goes up and gets the football um, and plays above the rim, and then you, you get the route running and the run-after-catch stuff that comes along with it. So while that's not traditionally what we see go in, in the top 10, to me, he's he's a little bit of an outlier in that regard, and he's going to come off the board real quick. And then after him, you get kind of the debate between the Alabama guys uh, with Waddle and Smith. You know, Smith, much is made about the frame, um, but to me, when you look at the way the game's played right now at the NFL level with the lack of you know contact in the middle of the field, it's not as big of an issue. And people say, oh, how's he going to get off press? He's not a big, strong guy. Well, you can't really get your hands on him either because um, he's so quick. He's, he's a real slithery type athlete. So you just there's not a lot of surface area to press. Um, mm. So I think he'll be fine. And then Waddle is somebody that's going to get over the top. And uh, somebody that's he's the fastest guy in college football. So when you look at all the GPS numbers that the teams have in terms of wide receivers, I should say his GPS numbers were at the top of the list. GPS I have a little numbers, tiny one like word that. question that will require a one word answer. Like when you you grind through this tape at an impressive degree. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one position group? Because I know when I've watched all 22 sometimes, I'm just being real here, it's like i got to turn some music on because it will send me right into dreamland if, you're, if you allow it to go on for too long. Is there a position group that puts you to sleep more than any other where you're just saying this is not as enticing and engaging to watch? He only gets a one-word answer on this? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't know how long the segment is. You can answer as long as you want. D- right? DJ's you're time is valuable. He's going to start yeah. charging us per minute pretty soon. Uh, you're hilarious. Uh, for me, it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different position that they don't enjoy. For me, it's safety. Um, and really more so over the last 10 years. Uh, when you were first when you first started scouting, I started in 03. There was a little bit more of traditional offense in college, so you had a better you just had a better sense. You saw a lot more things developing down the field, um, and you could see these guys re- read and react. Well, the college game now, you see so much RPO game, you see so many slants and bubble screens. 
that you can go through three games on a safety and you're like, oh, I don't know what this guy can do. He's, he's you know, 14 yards deep and it's just a <laughs> bunch of slants and bubble screens. Like, And it, it literally, you start rolling through these guys and until I got the ability with the, you know, with the technology to be able to sort cut-ups where I can look at every play they're involved in. So instead of just watching three games, I can see every time they were kind of in the vicinity of the football over an entire season, uh, it makes it easier. But it still feels like to give myself a, I think this would be a 90s reference, maybe early 2000s. You remember the M&M video where there's just all the M&Ms like, you know, walking around and stuff? The real Slim Shady, yeah. Yes, once you get outside the first two rounds and you start watching safeties, like after the seventh one, I'm like, I, I, what's the difference between this guy and the previous four guys that I just watched? Uh, it gets a little challenging. <laughs> well, that's fair. And and thank you so much for your time, DJ. Before you go, I just want to know, because you are the son of a preacher and you're the wholesome assassin and all that, but just be real with us. <laughs> Would you rather go 30 for, 32 for 32 in your mock or have Kuiper or McShay go 0 for 32? Just be honest. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know what? I would say I would I would, I, yeah, I would rather go 32 for 32, but I, the, the real answer is I just don't care. I, I really don't oh. care about the mock drafts, mm. and people get so worked up about it. That's why I just kind of laugh, man. Like uh, I miss on players, and we can have fun with them all the time, of the guys that I miss on in terms of my evaluation. And, and, you know, okay, that, that's like, okay, I need to learn and get better from those mistakes. But, like, mock drafts, whatever. Mm, yeah. All right. If you're Let's listening, try. executives, like, that, that sounds like a guy that might be doing his last mock draft. And that's a guy ready to transition to, to a new just, challenge. I'm just saying. That just chair executives. Uh, no, I'm, you can I'm, I'm turning into a pumpkin, man. Once we get through with this draft, I'm not worried about mini camps and sweating it, whether this guy I picked in the first round is going to come in here and look like a bum. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going on vacation. Yeah, we won't see DJ until he's in the booth at the, the stadium in Inglewood. All right, you can watch DJ oh, and yeah. the entire 2021 NFL Draft on NFL Network starting Thursday, April 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it hurts, but you made the show better, DJ. Thank you for joining us. I, I appreciate it. It's always great to be with you guys. And, Greg, don't forget, it also comes with a coupon for Express uh, with that jacket. So get your wife something nice. <laughs> Good to know. I will. Thanks, DJ. There he goes. DJ said it all, even though structure, they rebranded and structure became express for men. Um, but, uh, you know, Greg, it was on his radar. Some of your style. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I always I always worry, cause, you know, we're going to play some of that on, on the Around the NFL broadcast. People should check out our show on Fridays as always. And, I, you know, I always wonder, like, how, how are those clothing, you know, insults gonna pop on a on a podcast but i guess it's just a sign that dj doesn't really understand the medium you know <laughs> he's not a podcaster <laughs> well maybe this one is, day he will be yeah that'd be good it definitely um we received a flurry of texts from greg after about the whole thing so he was <laughs> a little annoyed i think it's he can get now, under your skin a little bit maybe and vice versa and i'm not sure maybe I, are you being serious not at all are you really <laughs> Not, we're not being serious at all. Yeah. Well, everything that we were discussing off the show is now part of this show. Um, and I will say, keep in mind that maybe DJ knows that referencing how you looked, Greg, won't mm. play for the podcast because he's secretly trying to destroy Ooh. our show. Ooh, you got to look at that, too, because he's the son of the preacher. He's the wholesome assassin, but he is a killer man he that's why he's the wholesome assassin it's true it, he's, he's competitive too and that's why you know coming in you know 
second or third place behind us in terms of like <laughs> audience at the NFL. It kills him year after year. It's why Mark, I think it's going to be his last year. Listen at the to NFL. Greg sharpening the daggers, returning fire on DJ. I think it really did get to him a little bit. No, I think Greg. You know, I can't. I'm, there's nothing I can add. Uh, there to what Greg has just said. I think it's, you know, he's explained. It's so hard well. to get under Greg's skin. It's, it really is. I can, uh, I, like, I can count a few times I've done it, but, like, he even if you do, he doesn't show it typically. I tend to think that DJ and I get along well because I'm of zero threat to him. That's how I start to see it. So maybe he feels threatened by all these other... Greg, the final words I, I think, goes to you. I think DJ sees me as a as a kindred, wholesome assassin spirit. Yeah. <laughs> you just wholesome, you started the show wholesome. by telling us you bring your children to drug dens. Well, I didn't know it was gonna be that way. The first WrestleMania or two was was pretty Bring in Hey Ricky, get in here. Get in here a second. Do you think do you think DJ got under Greg's skin at the during that segment? You know him well. You just did your Jeselnik, uh, Rosenthal, Vanity Project sh- a live show and everything. You know yeah. Greg very well. Yeah, yeah. He seems uh, pretty pretty agitated today. I'm not going to mm. lie. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, don't know if there's other stuff going on behind the scenes, but, you know, Greg, you, you do Always. seem pretty uh, uptight. Mm. Interesting. Well, so, I'm in a nerd uh, mood too, Greg. So you're not. It's not just you, Greg. I, you know, um, more I've today. noticed that as well, Mark. <laughs> you seem pretty pissed off. What's up, guys? You want to yeah, talk about it? <laughs> you both seem really uptight. But I don't know. Um, I mean, we don't have two more hours to get into it. So, oh. all right. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with us, Mark? Yeah. Are you mad at no, Dan and no, I? No. 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 Not. No. It doesn't. Not. Not our little group here. Not this foursome no okay great right. are you mad at dan and i it's the it's the foursome no i'm not mad at anyone all right that's good okay that's good well, all right well i'm glad uh, we settled that <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right good we got to get uh get rolling because our nfl network hit is on uh, every thursday check it out on nfl now with andrew siciliano or whoever is in that host chair uh we do a live hit um and like greg alluded to uh nfl network we're back on friday uh at a later time actually i believe so check out your local listings and please dvr the show give us the support on that end of things and of course on this end of things if you could, we haven't asked for this in a while if you could leave some comments some five-star ratings uh that would that's always a big deal we're trying to win a a, a Soli award what is it what's the award the, a sony award I, mean, I think you're close. You you bungling the name show after show kind of indicates it's not right on top of our uh, priorities. The Cyclops Award? I what is it, Ricky? The Cyclops? I don't know the answer. So We're trying I... to win a Cyclops. That would be an awesome trophy. Remember, imagine if you won this award and it was like a, a, a head, like a Cyclops uh, with a big eye, like, you know, one of those characters. Ricky, what is the name of the award? <laughs> one of those characters. <laughs> the Synops. Ah, uh, see, my synopsis. You don't know it either. I want a cyclops. This is making, this is making me feel better. All right, good stuff. Uh, yeah, so make sure you check that out, and then we'll be back Monday. And remember, uh, yes, we're uh, we're going multi times a week, two times a week for the podcast, and then the network show um, right now. But we'll be uh, five days a week draft week. So look forward to that as well. All right, that's it, everybody. We're almost to the weekend. 
But maybe take the rest of this day. Maybe we all drop off the radar. We take a deep breath and we come back tomorrow for the network show feeling great. That's a good plan. Good stuff. All right. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. Uh, (laughs) The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Be good to each other, everybody. Heed the call. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.